from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back, folks. It's a brand new week, and it's a brand new team. With the NFL draft behind us, we're going to continue looking at what happened. Matt Derrick's with us again today. That conversation is going to roll on here. Just want to touch real quick on a couple of updates. Uh, the second video has been uploaded to RGR Football on YouTube. Uh, check the, the description here for a link to it. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please do. Please leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Um, some cool stuff going to go on there, so uh, make sure you get over to YouTube and get subscribed. We're going to have great content, and it's going to be up on Locked on Chiefs as well, where all the pods and all the stories are. Uh, we're currently... Uh, in negotiations with a couple of new writers and some things are going to be changing as we get ready for the new season. Uh, July is going to be the spin-up and obviously camp's going to open. So keep an eye up on that. A uh, couple of things. We talked about Chase Litton yesterday. Uh, at the time uh, when we were recording, we had found out that he was joining the team. A couple of interesting signings since then as well. Uh, one being Murray State uh, corner Demondre Wade, uh, a good athlete, another guy to put in that secondary as they uh, didn't get uh, a whole lot in the secondary during the draft. Um, we talked about Bar- Byron Pringle uh, from K-State, the wide receiver, uh, another guy that's kind of local that's that's joined the cause there. Uh, got a fullback. Got to say I'm happy about that, J.D. Moore. So that's always a good thing to see, and uh, we'll keep you updated on all the things as they progress. So take a look at that. But uh, right now we're going to get right back to talking to Matt. Now, folks, we're back. Matt's still with us. For us, it's been about five and a half seconds. I know it's been a day for you, but um, <laughs> I feel so refreshed. Covered, yeah, right. We, we've covered uh, Breland Speaks. The other addition early was a guy that's going to eat up the middle, even though you signed uh, Xavier Williams. And my question to you, Matt, is how do you take that in terms of uh, when Williams was signed, he was very adamant about how he intended to continue to be uh, a penetrator. Um, and this signing gives you a, a chunk of man in the middle that can eat up that defense. And do you see this as a sign that they're they're intending to be more, not only stout, but more aggressive in their front? I think it's that, and I think think just depth too. I mean, you know, if you were if you were going into this season with just Derek Nadi as your defensive tackle, I don't think I'd be pretty comfortable with that. I mean, even though we we talked about the other numbers, I mean, yeah, there, there's some you know there's some guys there with you know certainly some upsides and everything like that. But you know, you get to the Justin Hamiltons and the you know Stephon Charles, you know, I mean, they are what they are. I mean, they're they're backups. They're that's what they're there for. I mean, and you know. Even with the after the Xavier Williams signing, you were looking at the possibility that one of these guys is going to be your backup and and you know part of the rotation and getting significant playing time. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not only just that the, it's a, it's a move towards aggressiveness. It's a move towards how they're going to tweak this defensive line. It's certainly a you know a, a recognition that just of how bad they were against the run the last couple of seasons that they need to throw some numbers at this position and see what's best. And, you know, I think Williams is the signing for the short-term, you know, Band-Aid to get them through. That's how you kind of use free agents. And the draft pick with Naughty is for the long term. I mean, I think that if you told them that, hey, Xavier Williams is going to be your, you know, number one defensive tackle this year, uh, maybe he's a backup next year and then maybe gone. And, you know, and Naughty's your guy there for the next four seasons. I think they'd be happy with that. What do you think? And I'm going to shift gears here a little bit um, because I'm curious. You know, we ha- had talked about how offensive, or I'm sorry, not offensive, 
Uh, outside linebacker was not a very deep position in this class. Uh, we've already kind of talked about Brandon Speaks, and they say he's going to be a linebacker. We'll skip over that part of it. But what do you think that means for D Ford? Have you got have you seen anything in the uh, from him? I'm just curious. I know we're talking about the draft, but I have to get that question answered. Well, you know, I mean, I think there's a, two aspects of that. I mean, one is you're talking short term. I mean, you know, is are, is D Ford going to be a part of this? You know, this defense this year and. Uh, based on what we've been we've seen and what we've been told so far, I mean, I think you have to feel like he is. I mean, uh, you know, we haven't seen him on the field yet. You know, we did get to talk to him a little bit uh, during the opening of offseason workouts, and and he he seems to feel pretty good, and the, and the team thinks he's recovering. Um, you know, I don't know when we're going to see him on the practice field and for how much. That's that's the remains to be seen. But uh, you know, I, I think this this these moves and you know and and the and things that they've move the last couple of years, I mean, obviously with Tano Passigno too, uh, they're planning for the fact that Justin Houston and D Ford both may not be on this team next year. I mean, that's just contract realities. Ford, you don't have a, another year. I mean, you've, you've got to be able to sign him. And uh, yeah, the price that D Ford may be asking for, that's that may be out of your budget. And, you know, and Justin Houston is certainly at this point, it's a salary cap conversation. I mean, he's got a 21 plus million dollar cap number next year. That's a big number unless you're, you know, bringing down 20 sacks a year and he's not that guy anymore. So that's a, that's a tough decision. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously definitely the moves that they've made in the last two drafts are, are definitely with an eye towards the fact that 2019, they may have to have completely new faces as far as their pass rush goes. How do you feel about that, Ryan? You're awfully quiet. It's not normal. I'm, yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what you're reminding me of right now? It's Nathan feeling trying to come up with something to say. That gif. By the way, Firefly, the most yeah. underrated show in history. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but at this point, where I'm at is that may be the the, the reality. Um, I, I still feel like Justin's kind of coming back a little bit, and he, I, honestly, I, I feel like he's been like. Tyreek, where he hasn't had enough supporting cast. Um, hopefully, between Breland Speaks doing what he does, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a, literally a big front, a NASCAR kind of package uh, with Houston, Speaks, Ford, K-Pass out there together. Um, I think they can get a lot of things done that way, and I think that will help Justin as it is overall. I think he's still got a couple of good years where he can be a premier rusher. Um, but there are a couple of things that need to go with that. Um, I like what they've done to this point in fixing the front. Um, I, I just, I just remain a, about trying to get your best talent on the field and how they're going to do that schematically. And that's something we can deal with later. Um, I think honestly, and, and this is not a Therese fan show kind of thing, but I have to give him credit because he turned me around on Watts. Um, everyone knows that I, I'm fairly heavy on athleticism and Watts put in a pretty poor performance this pre-draft cycle. Uh, but when Trez let me know and everyone else know that, that he, he, for some reason, thought it was a good idea to bulk up for the combine, run slower, yeah. and then come back down to playing weight, the, okay, that showed me some things. Um, I had only seen one uh, game film. And uh, since then, uh, just today, I, I've looked at a couple more games. And the more that I see of him, the more I think he is a guy that fits this defense, interchangeable, uh, plays forward and backward equally as well. And I think he's a guy that's going to fit in uh, and give Eric Berry somebody that can uh, 
play up to his level eventually in terms of being interchangeable. Yeah, hey, I'm with you. I had my head tilted when uh, when I heard you know Armani tell us that he he put on some weight for his pro day because he he wanted to just to see if he could you know it would he, he could handle the weight and, and and improve his speed and everything. And I, I that sounds counterintuitive to everything that's possible about humanity. Uh, but it was a decision that, and I don't know, Hey, I don't know who gave him that advice or whatever, but Fire yeah, that agent, that was not great advice. Hey, you know what? That might be good for Kansas city. It though, was, cause I, I, I think he's a second or a third round pick without that decision and without that yep. performance at the pro day. Cause it, it raised a lot of questions and, and, you know, Hey, credit to the chiefs for, you know, scooping that out and, you know, and, and, and buying into it and believing in it and everything. I mean, you know, they, they saw it and he, and he's, they say he's got the weight down now. He's back to normal and everything, and that, and he is a player. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at the film. I mean, he's he's certainly athletic. He's got he's got skills, and and we've talked about it before. I mean, you know, Brett Veach likes you know his his defensive backs that if they can prove in the past that they can get their hands on the ball, that's what he wants to see. I mean, that's more important than size or anything else. I mean, he wants to see production, and and he produced. And so, no, I mean, I I, I think that. Hey, if he if he lives up to his potential, I mean, you're talking about a solid player here. I mean, he's he's not Eric Berry. Nobody's Eric Berry, but uh, certainly a solid contributor. And and he's got a lot of the traits. I mean, that you you like to see. I mean, he was a he was a leader in that defense. Uh, he's played in the SEC. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things to like there. But Matt, that fourth round pick could have got him Earl Thomas from Seattle. Shut up. <laughs> Cap, cap, cap. <laughs> no, I know. That's a joke. Thank you very much. Thank hey, you a, a very sixth, much. A sixth-round pick could have gotten them Tavon Austin. So, uh, Who's going to play wide receiver? Who's going to play running back, not wide receiver for Dallas? Um, could have Tavon Austin and Tyreek Hill on the same team? That's all I'm saying. Three quarters. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow. Uh, okay, so real quick, let's go back to Dorian O'Daniel. Uh, Matt's favorite draft pick, just because he's going to butcher the name, and I will as well. Poor, poor so. guy. I, and, and and his the conversation that we had with him was absolutely hysterical. Um, with Kendall, Kendall yeah, his story is yeah, awesome. with Kendall Fuller there and everything, and I, I and I didn't realize that what their high school name was the Our, Our Lady of Good Counsel. I can't believe that a high school called Our Lady of Good Counsel has two NFL players. That's, that's pretty just, incredible. That's just fascinating to me. I, I love it. I mean, and 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 we know that Kendall Fuller is just uh, as a great personality. I mean, well, you know, really, just a, a really sharp guy. And and, and knowing the connection now and, and hearing the two of them together and everything, I mean, you know, it's. I think that really makes you feel good about you know the character of this guy and you know what kind of football player he can be. Well, and hearing uh, Brett Veach say he thought he had the wrong number, <laughs> yeah, because Kendall answered the phone. <laughs> I can just yeah. hear that. Kendall, is that you? But honestly, shouldn't that high school have three players? Because didn't Kyle go to the same high school? I would assume so. You're right. I forgot. I've, I'm, I'm leaving out a guy. So yeah, I mean, our lady of good counsel. I, I assume that they just absolutely rolled people. I have to too. Well, let's take a quick second. When we come back, we'll talk about what that makes this secondary look like. But I, I like I like uh, the way that those two particular guys, uh, when paired with Eric Berry, can make a tough secondary. Um, it's no surprise that that I still think Daniel Sorensen's overmatched in most of the things that he's ever asked to do. And I'm really I'm really hopeful that my guy Eric Murray will will progress. But this looks pretty poor for him. And with the aggression that you see out of O'Daniel, especially coming up, um, being able to to walk out of a, a nickel set and, and 
blitz the passer, basically. And then you have Watts as well. I, I think that this is looking right towards what Bob Sutton wants to do. Yeah, I, I was I was really curious when they made the pick because I I'm I'm like, hey, this this kid's way too small to play inside linebacker. I mean, that's just not what that's just too small to do that on a regular basis. And, and he's a little too big for a safety. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you could probably play at six one two twenty. I mean, maybe that's okay, but you know, he's a tweener. Absolutely, he's a tweener between those two. And you know, and and the way that they describe, you know, Veach describes about using him and everything. I mean, it it really fits in with how they've used Daniel Sorensen the last couple of years and everything. And and also, I mean, to a degree, Eric Berry. I mean, because they, you know, in twenty sixteen, obviously more because of the injury, but. You know, whenever the Chiefs have had a, a deficiency against the run, it's meant that they've had to cheat Barry in more and more to put that, you know, to guard against it. And, you know, and, and that hurts him in the past. So, I mean, I, I think if you've now got a guy who, yeah, you talk about Sorensen. I mean, Sorensen's a safety, you know, so asking him to play a linebacker, which, you know, for all intents and purposes is what they've had to, you know, ask him to do the last few years. I think that that's pretty tough. So, you know, hey, if you can get Sorensen back to just being what he should be, which is your backup safety, and you've got O'Daniel who can, you know, play that that, that nickel-dime linebacker position, I mean, I, th- I think it improves you at a couple of spots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you throw in Armani Watts, you throw in Robert Golden, there's a, there's there's too many bodies at safety for, for this roster. And you throw in Leon McQuay, too, I mean, yeah, there's there's going to be a change there. I mean, I, I I think it's highly unlikely they go into the season with six safeties. Well, yeah, Plus, you so didn't even mention Murray, did you? Yeah, I'm thinking. Did I, you mention? I made I mentioned okay. I was including him in my count, but yeah, I mean, you just, you got those okay. six, and then you throw a Daniel in there. I mean, you know, who's not really the safety, but you you know, I mean, he's going to be taking snaps. I don't think I don't think that's your. I don't think there's six guys plus a Daniel on your roster. No, there's no way that they're keeping that many. And I, and thank you for bringing up Robert Golden. I'll admit I kind of forgot that they signed him. Uh, he's another great special teams player, uh, more special teams kind of guy than really a uh, defender. But um, I, I think that could be a good signing for them. I, I think he's going to probably make the roster as like the fifth safety. Uh, but maybe that's going to be O'Daniel and Golden won't be on the roster uh, because you make a great point. There's just not simply enough roster spots to go around. There's, there's not. I mean, you know, especially. I mean, you, you've got to have some tough decisions at inside backer too. I mean, O'Daniel's taking up one of those spots now. Um, Terrence Smith, Okamia Legwe. You know, they've still got Daddy Nichols around. He's, uh, Daddy's really outside, so I shouldn't include him in that. But uh, that's that's five bodies at inside that. You know, hey, if you, if you have that at six safeties, that's those numbers don't work. Right. Absolutely. And then you get to their, and before we go into their sixth round pick, I have to ask the question going into this weekend, did you think that they were going to have eight draft picks that they came out with in this draft? Did you think there was any possibility they'd actually have eight draft picks? No, I, I did not. I mean, <laughs> I, I was fairly confident that they were going to move up. Um, I thought there was even a possibility that they might try and, you know, kick a, kick a pick into next year and some deal and everything. But no, I, six was probably about the number I would have landed on. And as far as what I thought they would come out with, I, but I did, there was no way I thought they were going to take eight players this week. Well, and that was kind of our conversation from last week, I think, is that there's no way that this roster has space for eight players. 
So it made sense to trade up to try to get the guys you want to fit the positions you think you need. Yeah, eight's eight's a, eight's a lot. I mean, I think that there's probably about six or seven really competitive spots that can be taken on this roster and everything. So I, I think they came out with the right number there. Uh, there's, you know, hey, there's still some things you got to throw some darts at. I think you got to throw a dart at a, you know, fourth quarterback and everything. Um, and you need to throw a lot of bodies on the line. Um, you know, you know, yeah. not counting yet. Uh, any, you know, potential undrafted free agents because, you know, those guys are, you know, slowly rolling in and, and, you know, just some tryout guys. Uh, you know, even with your draft picks, you're only at 12 offensive linemen and normally you're going to carry about maybe 18 to 20 sometimes for off season and for training camp. So they, they definitely need some numbers there too. So let's go ahead and move into their first sixth round pick. Uh, what did you think about the uh, Smith pick? Uh, you know, really interesting. I mean, I, I I guess we shouldn't be terribly surprised because, you know, hey, it's a, a John Dorsey tradition that, that has been handed down to Brett Veach, you know, to scout the, the small schools and the FCS schools and NIIA and Division three and wherever you can find, hey, Canada, if you can find a guy there. That's where you go. So I'm, I shouldn't be terribly surprised. But when you when you look at the guy, though, it's it's a it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's what we talked about. Everything that Brett Veach likes with a corner, you know, around six feet tall, uh, you know, gets his hands on a lot of balls all over the place. Um, he plays press man. I mean, this this is. You know, other than, you know, saying that this guy's kid's, uh, you know, 6-1 from a Power 5 conference, I mean, this is exactly who the Chiefs are looking for at corner. I mean, he's just obviously, because of the experience, he's not going to be as polished. He's going to need some time. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's 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 the perfect kind of player to fit this team. Now, I think that they needed someone more experienced because I think they've got a lot of depth questions at corner. You know, they they still have some questions even at the top. I mean, we don't know, you know, that the, maybe their three top guys are as solid as we think they might be. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought they would come out of the draft with a with a corner that was a little bit more polished. But as far as just, you know, skills and production, this is boilerplate Brad Veach. I mean, this is carbon copy of what he wants. Well, and it's also the only player, I believe, that they took that was not in the SEC. Uh, so. SEC, ACC, yeah, they they hit the. Oh, who's the ACC? Uh, Florida State, Derek Naughty, and oh, and, okay. and O'Daniel's Clemson. Cle- O'Daniel's was... Clemson. Uh, for some reason, I guess I thought those were SEC. I apologize. Come on. Man. So my apologies on that. Yeah, I don't get into college football, so. <laughs> I'll just really admit that my and bad. Really, you know, this is just my opportunity to to, to tell uh, a story and everything because uh, you know the the scout for for Tremont Smith was Willie Davis, who Chiefs receiver, famous for catching the the Joe Montana pass in the corner of the end zone yep. against the Broncos, also a Central Arkansas football player. So, cool. you know, yeah, he was he was all over his old school there. So that's there's there there's your connection for Tremont Smith and the Chiefs is you know Willie Davis. And and Davis was also the scout for um, uh, for Armani Watts too. So you know he he was he was all over a couple of guys there in the South. I'm I'm pretty intrigued. Um, I, I'm I'm not ready to go that uh, Smith is a Lampkin killer. Like I don't want to see because I have a soft spot. But um, 
but he's also a returner, <clears throat> which wasn't mentioned. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that. No, out that's there. absolutely so that'll correct. help on special teams. Yeah, right. I mean, and that does help him give him a shot at the roster. But I, I like uh, obviously you like the size, you like the length. He was very productive at at, at that school. But I want to go back to what we were talking about with the top three, and I'm I'm a bit <laughs> concerned that that. We're talking about the draft. Come on. No, but, but it's the lack of draft that, I I, that I'm saying because so much focus on the front seven. I think maybe there was an opportunity missed to get somebody that can bolster, especially a press man type guy that can bolster the secondary uh, out on the outside because because there are still some questions about those top three. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think he has obviously have to feel pretty comfortable with Kendall Fuller wherever they put him. I mean, he's he's proven on the field, even though you haven't seen him in this defense yet. I think you got to feel pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Steven Nelson is still a developing player. I mean, I think you still have to have some questions. I mean, he's he's had some really good moments and he's had some tough moments too. So, you know, I don't think you're just automatically, you know, saying you're you're fixed there. And 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 David Anderson is, you know, once again, I mean, he's been an up and down player. I think there's reason to believe that, you know, in this defense, they're going to be getting him back to what he's good at. So maybe he'll be better than he's been of late. But that's that's unproven. I mean, you know, you're, I don't think that you can say definitively that those three positions are nailed down. Now, hey, maybe collectively those three positions are, are maybe they're better than they were a year ago just because, you know, last year at one of those positions they were really, really bad. And and I know that they've got some guys that they like. I mean, obviously they got Smith. And, you know, Brett Veach has spoken very highly of Will Redmond and Keith Reeser. Uh, you know, we haven't seen – Reeser was hurt. Uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of him yet, but they, they like those. I was really high on Ashton Lampkin last year. I really liked him in training camp. And, you know, when he got hurt, I think that was a really tough break because uh, he looked really good. So, I mean, they've got some they've got some names there, but – They've got a lot of question marks. I mean, they just don't have enough proven guys there. I mean, I think they've they've got a lot of guys with some upside, but they don't have anybody who's done it yet. Well, got to be young somewhere. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be a corner this year for Kansas City. Uh, but the nice thing about that is it also gives them the ability to uh, learn, grow, and become a, a better team going forward. Uh, you, you have a guy in Steven Nelson who's going to be playing for a contract. Um, obviously, Amerson is playing for a contract. Kendall Fuller is technically pay- playing for a contract because he can sign a new one, uh, I think, after this next year um, if they want to get it done early. So, you know, all three of those guys are, are playing for money right now at this point, which is always going to be a good thing uh, as far as that's concerned. And, and I think that there's a, there's also another way to frame this, this, this question and everything, and that is – you know, was this team going to be better off picking a, a a cornerback that's maybe more polished and more ready, very high in this draft, or were they better off improving a couple of positions on the defensive line to give them a more effective rush and make that quarterback a little bit more uncomfortable? And I I'm pretty sure that you know from our conversations and you know, and things that I've heard that they're much more comfortable with that. They think that if they can improve that front seven, it's going to help them more than, you know, a, a top flight second round cornerback would have helped them. Well, and, and improving the front, the rush in particular is going to protect that secondary all the more, right? Exactly. That's what they're hoping for is they're, 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 they're hoping that with Derek Nottie, you know, Xavier Williams, they're hoping that, you know, 
with what they're doing at linebacker and everything like that. I mean, they're they're hoping with Breland speaks, they're hoping that that's going to generate more pass rush and that's going to make the corners better. Well, and if you're able to stop the run, you're able you're going to be getting people in more third and longs, which is going to help your corners as well because you're going to be tying the ears back on the rushers. So then, uh, I think that's going to help as then well. You just, then so, you just have to stop people on third down. Yep. Oh, I like that idea. So it's great in theory. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's take a quick second, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the the strangeness that went on and why there's a tie to the Raiders now. So what was the response to drafting the son of a division rivals GM? Well, that was just, that was just, that was the humorous part of it and everything like that. It was like, okay, hey, you know, Reggie McKenzie's kid. All right. You know, little Chiefs Oakland rivalry there and everything. Uh, but then you get the twist. I mean, because everybody thought, hey, all six players that they've drafted are all defensive players. You know, that's a defensive heavy draft. And, then yeah, the, and I tweeted that then out the too. Yoink! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come out and tell us that nope, no, nope, we're gonna we're gonna move him to guard and everything, and you know, and uh, and hearing the reasoning and everything, and, and and especially you know talking to 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 Khalil and everything because he said he told us that you know his dad and his uncle and his uncle was Riley McKenzie that's you know 16 year NFL veteran on the offensive line. Uh, they both thought that he was better suited for the offensive line and for playing guard. So, you know, really, I mean, I, I said this in the you know, media workroom and everything. I mean, five years from now, if Khalil McKenzie, you know, turns into a Pro Bowl guard, is this just another reason to, to realize that Butch Jones was a terrible, terrible coach? <laughs> Takes a Pro Bowl <laughs> offensive guard and plugs him a defensive tackle. And I mean, that's just the most Butch Jones thing you can do. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this up for uh, posterity just to see. <laughs> but you know, well, and, and, it, it was it was a matter. I mean, we you know we talking to him and everything. I mean, it's yeah. They, uh, hey, Tennessee had a need there. That was you know he, uh, I mean Khalil. I mean he's obviously NFL legacy. He was a five star kid coming out of high school and everything. Um, uh, the only really problem was that he didn't he he wasn't eligible his senior year because of you know some transfer problems and rules and everything. So he he showed up to Tennessee a little overweight. You know he hadn't played football in you know, almost two years. And, you know, I think that probably was, you know, the factor and the fact that they also had a needed defensive tackle. That's why Tennessee moved him there. And, but then they just never gave a second thought. I mean, they just kind of kept him there. Um, but, you know, uh, Pat Sperduto, the, the, the chief scout on this, I mean, he said, I mean, from the first time I saw this kid, I, I thought he looked like an offensive guard. And a lot of other people do, too. So, I mean. Uh, you know, they they brought – hey, Pat brought up the name of another sixth-round offensive guard, kind of similar, <laughs> Laurent Duvernay-Turkey. <laughs> so, you know, we've got that comparison there and everything as far as, you know, a developmental project in the sixth round. So, hey, I mean, if he turns out like LDT, uh, it's a great pick. I mean, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, if they, if they well, hit McKenzie, on this one, that's a great move. Oh, yeah. And McKenzie may not be be in Oakland by the time that his son is could be that Pro Bowl guard. So Whoa. might might not. I mean, you know, with the with with everything John Gruden's doing out there, man. Exactly. My Reggie point. for John. Gonna, Wait, no, I like the John. Okay, never mind. Uh, well, considering considering John's on a ten year contract, I think you probably are going. I'm just to. saying, I one like stick it around, the other one might. <laughs> 
But but let's talk about that for a second, though, because uh, literally LDT ain't going anywhere. So you're looking at Witzman, Inger, Cam Irving, who you traded for, and now Reggie's kid. Sorry, Khalil. I know you're your own person. But you're all fighting for one left guard spot. Yeah, I mean, at least the, the the nice thing there, you know, the the good problem to have and everything is that, you know, Witzman and Irving are extremely versatile. I mean, you know, Irving can, at least in a pinch, play all five spots. I mean, he essentially has. Yeah. I mean, he's played guard. He's played center. He's played left tackle. I mean, you know, he's an extremely – I mean, he might not – he's not going to set the world on fire at any of those positions. But as far as just being the understudy that can keep the show running, I mean, he can play any of those positions in a pinch. and. And now that, you know, Witzman's gotten the experience at guard, I mean, he, he's a bit the same way. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to put him at right guard, you know, put, you know, do that to him. Um, but he can play three spots. He can play both tackle positions and left guard. Um, anchor is really, you know, the most, you know, limited of the bunch. So, I mean, and, and well, and, and now with McKenzie. But, you know, McKenzie's your developmental project. I mean, I don't think you're looking for him to, you know, be eating up a lot of snaps this year. He's there to learn. Um, but right, but he'll be. I, I, so I think you're. He'll be that back end offensive lineman. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I, he's your you know eighth or ninth guy. I mean, I, I think you're hoping. I mean, best case scenario, I think you're hoping that anger is recovered enough that he wins the job, and then you've got you know Witzman and and Irving who can play a lot of different positions. Uh, you know, hey, you've then you've got one more spot. I mean, you know, you may if that in an ideal world. I mean, you know, now you've still got room for a ninth offensive lineman. Somebody, you know, maybe. Another guy who can play center. I mean, you've got Jordan Devy who's still around and everything. Maybe that's the guy, but I, I, that can make it work. But I think, a, I mean, a lot of it, I think, hinges on hoping that anger is recovered and well enough to win that left guard spot. Uh, well, that's the other question is who's going to be the backup center? I guess you could have Cam Irving be that guy, but do you really want to go down that road? Uh, I, you know, the thing that, that concerns me is um, I, I love Mitch Morse as a player. But he has not been healthy for most of the past two seasons. Um, I mean, last season, I guess, more so than the, the year before. But he had concussion issues the year before, too. So uh, his health concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs have been spoiled, obviously, the last you know four seasons or so uh, because of Zach Fulton. Because he, he's, he's just... You know, was was so versatile on the interior. Uh, it, it was, yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, he was just as much as you know a, a center as Mitch Morris. I mean, you you could plug him in there and not have a huge drop off. So that was a real benefit. The, I, the Chiefs aren't going to have that this year. I mean, I, I I they may have a couple of guys who can play center. I mean, right now, I mean, I think if you're building the roster with just guys who are there. I mean, I think it's Cam Irving. I think it's Jordan Devy who make the squad and they can play center, but that's a much bigger drop off from Mitch Morris than Fulton was, obviously. Right. Yep. Uh, just saw another rookie announcement um, that we were, we haven't talked about the undrafted rookies that I've seen. I've seen uh, Pringle uh, from K State, uh, Jerron Searles. He's uh, a tackle from IUP. Or offensive lineman for IUP, and, and, and you know a lot of this may be sorted out before you know this airs and everything, so maybe it's going to be completely moot. But you know, remember the the Chiefs, you know, with their draft picks, they've got eighty three guys in the roster, so you know they've only got seven slots 
for undrafted free agents. Now, I, so we're hearing a lot of names of you know guys who might be you know coming in and everything like this. There's a really good chance that you know a lot of them are going to just be you know guys who are in on a tryout to everything because they've only got those seven slots. Now maybe there's a couple of guys who are going to release. I mean, you know they've they've added some guys to the roster that now that the draft is over and you're saying okay, well hey we've we've got this guy so maybe we don't need this extra person at this position. So uh, they might you know be able to weed out a couple of you know positions and everything and free some spots up but i don't have a lot of room i mean they, they've got really they got the seven spots you know right now they could free up some more but um you know some, sometimes it's post draft it's really hard until the the team lays it out you know exactly as you know who is the undrafted free agents and who are just the tryout guys well oh funny thing. funny that i just did a, a yeah, chase right? Litton, new quarterback which also yeah, Chase Litton was also, I believe his agent is uh, Lee Steinberg as well. Oh, shocking. Well, folks, we'll try to reach out to Lee and see if we can get Chase on the show uh, before he actually reports and Chiefs PR says no. Um, but <laughs> Chase is a guy that I, that I had in the fifth, sixth round because I, I, I like some of his game, and I think he can, he can adapt and learn the Chiefs offense as well as Tyler Bray did for certain. Uh, I would bet quite a bit better, but that's just me. Well, Matt, I thank you for your time. I have to ask one more question uh, just because we haven't had a chance to talk to you really since free agency started. Um, the signing of Sammy Watkins really makes the Chiefs wide receiver room uh, kind of full. Uh, you know, you have Tyree Kill, now you have Sammy Watkins, uh, Chris Conley, um, Demarcus Robinson, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, um, do you think that there's any chance that that Robinson's going to be an odd man out with other players coming up? It's after the way he played at the end of the last season. It's possible. I mean, I I do think that the wide receiver group is going to look a little bit different because you got a different quarterback, and I think you know that that chemistry is going to play a role in everything. I mean, so. You know, uh, hey Robinson, I think did look pretty good with with Mahomes last year, so I th- I think that, that okay. he's got a leg up there. Uh, but hey, a couple of young guys, Marcus Kemp, Gary Dieter, they looked really good with Mahomes yep. too. So I mean, I think that that Mahomes being the starter helps both of them. I mean, I I think right now, I mean. You know, I, I know a lot of people are high on Daniel Braverman. I mean, I, I'm kind of of the gosh, he's he hasn't quite proven it yet, but maybe you, you throw him in there and they've got, you know, Nelson Spruce, Brandon Shippen are in the mix. I'm sure they'll, I mean, I, hey, you know, Byron Pringle's already in there. They'll probably have some other in-drafted free agents. But realistically, I mean, I think you're looking at, they've got eight or nine guys that could win those jobs. And, uh, you know, you might probably keep six. I mean, that's the high end, obviously. You might just keep five, but I think you can keep six. And that's, that. I mean, if if it ended up being Watkins Hill, Conley, Robinson, Chesson, and Thomas, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if you know Marcus Kemp or Garrick Dieter won that last spot. I, I I liked them both last year. I really liked Kemp. Um, you know, I I, I was kind of surprised that he didn't you know get as much done you know with his uh, couple of opportunities on the on on the roster and everything when they had some injuries. But uh, I think he's got a lot of upside, and I'm really interested to see how he progresses in the year two. You know, remember that was kind of, you know, with DeMarcus Robinson. I mean, he really looked like he made the big jump in year two. So I, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, an offseason, an OTA is in the beginning of camp, 
is, you know, of those, those, you know, four or five guys that are competing for those last few spots, you know, which one of them makes the biggest leap? Cause I, I think that, that somebody has got to make the jump to, you know, clearly win those jobs. I just want to ask you guys one thing before we wrap it up because uh, a couple of interesting, you know, really for the most part, non-football stories, but like they're tied in obviously. Um, like the Australian rules football guy, uh, there's a lot of stories here that go on. And for me, uh, Shaquem Griffin getting to play with his brother in Seattle, I think is probably the top of the weekend in terms of a. That's pretty cool. Right? That's pretty cool. Is it? Yeah, that's really so cool. So you agree? Best okay. thing of the weekend to Well, me. we all agree then. Uh, Shaquem, well done. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, and, and listening to the phone call and, and hearing the story about how he had actually gone to the bathroom, <laughs> his brother saw the phone ring and said, I know the area code. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I'm all bored on that being the greatest move of the weekend. Can we can we all agree that the parrot not actually making the pick for Tampa oh, Bay was, was the worst moment of the weekend? Is that, is that just such a Florida that thing was or is it just me? I I I I was just completely I I wanted to shut down the draft at that point. It was completely oversold, well, completely even, disappointed. You can't do that to us. And I don't think ESPN even showed it from what I heard. I did see I it. They did not show it live. They they did come back and show it like probably How like well, it's you know, it's the way ESPN airs the draft. It was like half an hour after the pick was made, so that's how they handle most things in the 5th round, but you know, they did show it eventually, but yeah, major disappointment. There are worse things, but folks, I hope you enjoyed draft weekend. Uh, we certainly did. Matt's going to take a nap for about three days, and uh, he'll be back with us eventually. And, <laughs> and we'll have more for you. Uh, I'll have a video up on RGR Football here on YouTube, so check the links for that. Check back with us. Read everything on Chiefs Digest because Matt's working his butt off for you guys, and we appreciate you being here with us, Matt. Absolutely, it was great. Always great talking to you guys. Have, have, take care, and we'll, we'll we'll catch up soon. We got we got uh, mini camp next weekend. We got to talk we got about plenty some of things. stuff, right? I, yeah, I'm on vacation at the end of the month, so you guys are gonna have to keep this thing tied down. We'll do what we can. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening, us, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>